Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Across the Board. Pleased to be joined by Trevor McCarthy, who's been taking Aqueduct by storm since getting back to New York. He's, uh, I believe, currently second leading rider here at Aqueduct. Third leading rider. I've been corrected already. But it's nice to have Trevor on talking about getting into racing and his thoughts on riding and spend a little time with him. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Across the Board with Trevor McCarthy. So how big a role would you say the fact your father was a jockey had in shaping your life as a rider? I mean, I assume you spent a lot of your childhood around the racetrack. Yeah, that had a huge, probably, yeah, I would say really big. Um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but. Effect. Yeah, I would say effect. Influence. Influence. It's too. early in the morning. Believe yeah. me, I'm, I'm good. I get it. And <laughs> to me, it was like, that's all I wanted to do. I didn't care. I was three, four, five years old. I was getting on horses already, getting put up on horses, and uh, I just fell in love with the feeling. I fell in love with the atmosphere of the racetrack, and I was always in so much awe to my father, uh, following him. Um, you know, all morning long, he'd bring me to the track, and when he didn't bring me to the track, I'd wake up and I'd be hysterical crying, and my mother would call and say, what is wrong with you? How could you leave this kid? And sure enough, she would bring me to the track at about seven, eight o'clock by the time I woke up. But uh, so, yeah, so just following him and constantly just learning from him and learning from other people. Um, I would say the whole learning experience of just um, even now we're just still learning every day. It's just it's fun like that to just keep learning. And, you know, through him, of always being a huge critic of me and always teaching me. Um, it's it's really made my career. Now, he, he won almost 3,000 races, just a, a few shy. How often do you talk to him a lot? We talk every day, maybe three times a day. We really? shoot text all day long. Uh, he's watching the races most of the time. So um, we're always back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So it's great. You know, I got um, – and it's good too. You know, he's, he's always, like I said, a huge critic. So if something uh, – and we talk track bias too. You know, I know uh, we talked a lot about that. But sure. – um, you know, constantly, yeah, constantly texting. Is he really tough on you? You know, not as bad anymore. <laughs> but I would say Is that with, you're riding better, or he's just getting older. <laughs> yeah, that both. Um, but when I had the bug, he was brutally. It was a big joke in the jocks room. Oh, Trevor, your phone's ringing. Trevor, your phone's because it was always him. Every race, every race, every race, the phone be ringing, and uh, it was good. I mean, it was great. I love it. I still love it now. And then sometimes I'll be like, oh, you know, we'll disagree about something. Maybe I tell him, oh, I could have done this different. Who could have done that? And he sees it, at, you know, no, you did everything right. But um, I guess when you lose, you can always go back and say, I should have done this. I should have done that. But, you know, that's the way it goes. Well, when you win, you don't usually go back and say, I could have made this decision at that point and I wouldn't have won the race. I mean, you know, in your brain, you made, I mean, riding is making decisions at different points and hopefully they work out more often than not. Exactly. Uh, so, so is he down, is he still down in Maryland? He, uh, he actually lived in Delaware and then okay. when I wanted to ride him and my mother, they moved to Florida and I was graduating high school at the time. And I said, uh, you know, I'm going to be a jockey and they're like, well, you know, you're going to go be a jockey. We're going to move to Florida. And I laughed at him like, okay, yeah, right. And uh, sure enough, I graduated. And as soon as I graduated, the end of the summer, they were gone. And they said, go be a jockey. And I went and I lived with a friend of mine, Jeremy Rose, who took me in. Another guy who taught me a huge amount. 
Um, and we had the same agent at the time when I had the bug, and uh, I lived with him for a year. What, when was this? What year was this? That was 2013. Okay. Yeah. Is Jeremy still riding? Jeremy's not riding anymore. Yeah, I think so. Um, he still has a lot of passion for the sport, but um, he lives out in Pennsylvania, and he's got a pizza shop. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, whatever works. Yeah, of course, Jeremy Rose rode a fleet Alex and one other horses. Yeah. Pretty memorable. So, so 2013, so where were you riding? Were you riding the Maryland circuit? Were you riding Delaware? I was. I was riding Maryland, um, and I got hurt in 2013. I was um, second leading rider at the Maryland meet. I just got beat for leading rider the first meet I was there. Really? Um, as an apprentice? Yeah, as an apprentice. Yep, me and another apprentice were battling it out. And um, then in April, we were moving to Pimlico. The first week of Pimlico, I won seven races. And... It was the following Thursday. I was breezing a horse in the morning, and I broke my leg. I was out for eight months. Really? Yeah. Wow. How so, how was that? That must have been rough. That was pretty rough because it was at a time where I was really, like, into riding, into racing, like, was doing everything. I was so on a high, you know, and, uh, you know, of course, I wanted to win the Eclipse Award. That was, like, at that time, I was rolling. I think I was, like, had 80 winners already on wow. the new year. It was it was everything was going really good and um frustrating and yeah i had to sit out for eight months and watch all these horses win and <laughs> and to me it was it just drove my mind crazy you know right and and took you eight months to get back how, how hard was it to get yourself back in shape you know just as the injury healed because you know and that's the thing as an apprentice i just felt like at that time i was getting in shape um i was starting to you know develop as a rider to where physically um i was getting fit to ride the card every day and now i had to rebound you know and um it did it took me a little bit while to, to get fit but you can only do so much of um equisizer work or gym work and stuff like that um but you know over it took me a little bit longer than i would like to you know, to come back. So you talk about Jeremy and learning from him. Who who are some other people, whether trainers, riders, people that had influences on you as you were younger getting into riding? You know, I, I always tried to pick pick brains with the older riders. And at that time, like, uh, I was riding at parts when I first started, and Tony Black was still riding. And uh, him and my dad were probably two of the most rivals, good friends, but rivals at the same time because they were always competing for leading rider, whether it was at Philadelphia or it was at Delaware. So um, my dad always said, if you're ever going to ask anybody how to ride besides me, it better be Tony Black, you know, because um, they just Tony always had his number and my dad always had Tony's number and they constantly fought, fought, fought. But my dad had to utmost respect for him as a jockey and tony is tony still riding or is he retired yet i because he is he's he's almost 100 now yeah. right he, he rode a long time right? when he was riding when i was there and that was 10 years ago he had to be in his late 50s early 60s and everybody was saying how crazy he was to still be riding but at that time he was just riding his own horses but um he was a definitely one that i would always reach out to uh jeremy as well I have my father-in-law, Robbie Davis, who was a great jockey. Um, Richie, I'll touch Richie every once in a Migliori. while. Yep, Richard Megori, touch him and, and always get feedback from him. Um, and I would say guys that I probably ride with when I first started was a guy, Julian Pimentel, who was a great sure. jockey. 
I think he started here. I think he, he may have an apprentice here, here yeah. yeah. And um, Jeremy at that time was there. I'm trying to think of who else. I rode with a guy who I thought had a, all the talent in the world, um, and he just never seemed – he won some big races, but he just always kind of seemed to tail off, and that was a guy named Louis Garcia. Sure. Who I always thought was a really great jockey and very tall as well, so I always got good feedback from him. But, you know, just – and I wouldn't even say a lot of jockeys um, that I talked to were really giving me good feedback. You know, I really got to spend a lot of time with some really good handicappers um, that I got to know. Um, and my agent as well at the time who had me for a long time was Scott Silver. And they were, you know, my father was one to tell me about track bias, but these guys were really, you know, they were cloned into that track bias. They were cloned into numbers. And I didn't, you know, I knew the horsemanship side of it but I didn't know that number side I didn't know the handicapping side so to really learn from them guys it was a huge deal and I got to spend a lot of time with them at Gulfstream um a guy named Darren DeLuca um also known as Double D oh, I know Darren yeah um I got to spend a lot of time with them down in Florida when I was out he used on to that. be in New York you know yeah everybody used to be in New York especially down <laughs> but I spent a lot of time with him at Gulfstream and I learned and I listened and you know, these guys were such big gamblers, and it's like, you know, I learned so much just from some from being around them and, and listening to them. They might not even know that I kind of even was listening, but um, it was great to hear that knowledge from them. Do you find that unusual for riders that spend time with horse players? Yeah, I, I do. I, I, I always say that a lot of riders don't understand a handicapper's point of view, and a lot of handicappers don't understand a jockey's point of view. And to, to get both point of views and, and to, you know, to go off both ends, I think is a huge aspect, you know, because I just feel like some jockeys might just be cloned in to just riding their horse all the time, all the time, all the time. And and for sure, you have some handicappers who be like, man, well, what was he doing and this and that? And um you know, sometimes in that curve, we have to listen to our horses or we have to listen to our instructions. And, um, you know, to me, it was just to, to have those both ends is, is great, you know. And if a rider really um, can juggle both, I think, that, you know, a lot of good riders, you see Johnny and you see Irad, Jose, I mean, they study and they, they, they look at it as a handicapper's point of view sometimes. And I think that's a huge, huge benefit. Well, knowing the other horses in the races and having an idea of their tendencies. How much about how about riders? Do you do you focus on their tendencies at all and see a horse and say, you know, this horse might do this, but this rider rides in a certain manner, or do you just assume the horse will be sort of where you expect, or hope the horse will be where expected? No, assuming it's tough. I, you have to handicap riders too, so it's hard. You know, you got to handicap riders, you got to handicap horses, and there's so many plan A's, plan B's, plan C's, and. Um, you know, you definitely have your riders that like to be more aggressive than others. Um, but, yeah, for sure. I mean, you have, always have to keep that in the back of your mind. Do, you know, we've had so many biases, and you're a rider who, in my opinion, is in tune to a bias as any rider. Do you – did it become – because, I mean, this was an unusual period when we got back here right around New Year's of the number of de gold rails we've had. And then we had some dead rails. Is it a topic of conversation ever in the jocks room, or do people not want to give an advantage up, or you find that people are sometimes more aware of it than others? Yeah, it's only a conversation when Andy Serling says on the show that the rails are really good. <laughs> that idiot. Yeah. So, um, but no, I, I, I think a lot of guys stay pretty quiet about it. Um, 
you know, and and let the guys the guys who notice it notice it, and the guys who aren't noticing it take the advantage. And um, you know, I think with the track biases that we've had this year, you know, as for me, I'm not gonna always get right now. Of course, um, you know, there's been so many guys here that have been here for a long time. So breaking back in, of coming back from California, breaking back in, I'm not gonna get the um, the the best horse or the second best horse. I'm gonna get the third best horse and the fourth best horse. So, what do you need to do to win with those horses? They need to have the absolute perfect trip. So they need to get on a good rail. They need to save every inch of ground. And um, you know, paying attention to those track biases is definitely um, the difference between winning and losing with those those horses. Certainly was a lot here, and, and nobody was was really more aware of it than you were, um, and picking up on it quickly as well. And it, and it really does matter. I mean, listen, it's interesting because. A lot of the time, the track is fair here. You know, your experience riding New York is not, you haven't been here that long. You were here last winter. We have a lot of fair, many more fair racetracks, and I think some of the riders get used to the fact the track is fair all the time, that it probably catches them a little bit off guard. Um, and it's it's been unusual. And, you know, it's funny because last week it finally evened out, and then it poured on sun, on sun you know, or snowed or whatever the heck was going on on Sunday, and then it rained a little last night. We're taping this on, on Thursday or Friday before we start racing. It, it is, I found it to be challenging. Um, you know, betting for a handicapper, betting on biases is tricky. You know, you, you sort of hope for the best. I find the best thing to do is when the tracks get fairer and you're betting back off horses that were on or against the racetrack, it gives you a little bit of an advantage. Um, your decision, you mentioned going to California. You went there last, uh, you were riding here last winter, things were going great, and you went to California. Talk a little bit about going out there and, and why you went and, and the decision to go and then come back. Yeah, the California thing was more of a, let me take a shot. You know, to me, um, the riding colony here in New York is so stacked, right? I mean, yeah. especially come springtime, summertime is even more stacked. So to me, it was, okay, the, the riding colony out in California is nowhere near as strong. Not saying that it's a bad riding colony. It's not as deep. It's not as deep no. as New York. So to me, I, I got a good opportunity to work with a guy who... Uh, had Pratt for a long time and did really well with Pratt. And uh, I went out there taking a chance, and I just said to myself, I don't want to look back in five, ten years and say, man, I regret not going to California, um, to where there's plenty of horses that come out of there that win Breeders' Cups and, and Derbies and um, Triple Crown races. So to me it was um, more of a, just a shot, you know, and I said, you know, if things don't go well, I can always come back to Aqueduct and for the winter time and kind of hopefully pick up where I left off and and build that momentum back to go back into Belmont. Um, and I and I did it and listen, it didn't go as well as I planned, but you know I I took the chance and I enjoyed my summer and um, you know now we're back hustling. So how was Delmar? Did you have fun being there? I mean. You know, I, I tell everybody, it was like everybody's, oh, you know, you didn't have a great meet, and it was like, yeah, I didn't have a great That's meet. That's life. But every moment I enjoyed being there and I think the best feeling in the world was riding the last race at Del Mar and it's just the sun was coming down over the beach the breeze was coming and it was just like you know I didn't care to be anywhere else in the world but there at that spot at that moment you know it was it was a great experience and I'll always look back on it as you said I mean if you hadn't gone you'd be thinking about going and you know California racing obviously it's not a great time out there right now but a lot of great times at racing, and, and, and Santa Anita to me is, I mean, I think Santa Anita is as nice a track as there is in the country. 
Most definitely. I mean, yeah. the the views and the weather, it's you can't beat it. Yeah. But you're now you're back. So, if you how many times have you ridden in Saratoga in your life? I know you've you've been there. I've ridden Saratoga. I don't know how many races, but it's got to be over 10, 10 races maybe. Um I rode some states, shipped in for some states win? and Do never won. I've been second. So you're over Saratoga. Third. I'm oh yeah. So we'll have a Trevor count this summer like, <laughs> when you win your yeah, first race up there. <laughs> Be careful. You know, Louis Cardenas, I think, won the first race two years ago, and I don't know if he won another race or if he did. It was oh, a long no. time. So be careful. You know, don't don't win a race on an opening day and think, well, this is going to be easy. Up yeah, here. right. Um, are you looking for, I mean, do you, do you think about that? I mean, you haven't ridden at Belmont that much either, have you? No, I mean, I've rode Belmont when it opened and till about May. What was it? About middle of May, I left. Sounds right. And then before that, I was riding here in 2018. And same thing about beginning of May. I didn't ride that long here uh, at Belmont. But um, I think Belmont's one of my favorite tracks to ride. I love riding Belmont. It's just, I, I love that big turn. You know, the speed horses, you can really let your horse catch a really nice breather in that turn. And, and it's got a nice stretch where you can finish up. And a lot of those horses tend to cave sometimes. I, I remember the ride, the horse that, uh, the horse I bet that you rode, that I think he got up to him by a nose, that Chris Englehart horse. I think oh, he's now um, running in uh, in Oakland, actually. I think I saw him. I think he's in a race there Saturday. He was in good form, and he got up to win by a nose. I think you beat Jose Ortiz. I, was I it feel Jose? Like, I feel like it, yeah. I, I can't remember the horse's name. It was a big price. It was a crazy big price. Was he like ten to one or fifteen? Yeah, to one? he's like ten to one. I think he. I think he's running this weekend in Oakland. That's why yeah, I thought of I him because I saw him running. It's a I great story without name. without my remembering the name. But so I mean, as far as picking your business up, it, business has been good. I mean, you're you're close to leading rider at this point. Yeah. Hey, look. I mean, I, I took an agent. There's never been an agent before, and we'll make fun of him in a minute. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that. Yeah, and. Uh, so I, I did that, and I said to myself, I'm going to come into this meet and give it 100%. I'm going to go out there, work every day, and pretty much say to myself, when I leave and walk out of the jock's room, I can say, okay, I did everything I could to prepare myself for the day or for this weekend of racing, uh, whether it was exercising on the off days or bettering my diet, um, and working hard in the morning. So to me, I, I just gave it my all. And and to be honest, I always, my father always told me hard work always pays off. So I worked and worked and worked and worked ever since I came back here. I mean, I was taking one day off a week and it worked. I mean, it worked. I was able to, to get back in probably a little bit quicker than most people would have. Um, and I just kept grinding it, grinding it, grinding it, and, and it broke. So to, to come back and build up the business and um, keep moving forward is, is great. And, you know, you're going to have really good weekends and you're going to have slower weekends. You know, horses run out of conditions and that's just the way racing goes. But, um, you know, I think keep, you know, to keep moving forward and to keep working is, is going to hopefully carry me um, through Belmont and Saratoga. So you, we mentioned your agent. For people who don't know, your agent is Joey Migliori, who... Um Richard Migliori's son, well-known Joey a long time. What, 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 how, how did it come about that you chose Joey? Because as you said, he had never been an agent before. You know, it's funny. You know, a couple guys reached out to me about middle of Del Mar, about coming back home. And it got, I, was, I was kind of already in that mindset of wanting to come back home. And 
Um, I'll never forget, I, I was driving to, where was I driving to? I was driving to the bike store, that's what it was, to get my bike fixed and it was on the highway there that, it, what is it, the Pacific Highway. Right. And Joe calls and I'm like, oh man, what's, you know, what does this kid want, you know? <laughs> and um, so he calls. Did you know him at all? And I know Joe because, yeah. you know, working through West Point and right. um, I rode his horse here last year that he had with Toby and Steve Esmussen. That's right. So I was able to know him that thing and I was riding, um, he's also was the stable agent for Robert Maciel, so I rode, um, what's the horse? Oh. I'm drawing a blank. The worst, you mean Rob Massell, the worst owner in the game? <laughs> no, no. Uh, what's I, the horse that I you can't. had, the good turf horse? Um, Fire. Oh, Fire. Yeah. Oh, you rode Fire. So I rode Fire, mm-hmm. Maryland, for them. And um, so, yeah, so he, he called me, and I said, uh, you know, he gave me the whole spiel, how he wanted to be an agent, and he'd only do it if he could get a good rider, and he'd love to take my book, blah, 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 blah. And uh, I kind of hung up the phone, and Katie was with me, and I was like, you know, I can't. There's no way I can take that guy, you know. <laughs> and uh, this guy's never been an agent, you know. And she kind of laughed, and then it just, like, I got other phone calls and other phone calls and other phone calls, and this kid Joe just kept badgering me, badgering me, badgering me, pushing and pushing and pushing. And uh, at that time, I, I came back, and I got ankle surgery. I got my ankle cleaned up, and... Um, Here's a guy that I would tell him, you know, I'm going in to see the doctor this day. I'm doing PT this day. And every time I go see the doctor, it was good luck at the doctor. Hey, how'd the doctor go? Hey, how'd PT go? And no other agents were doing that. You know, this kid, you know, he wanted it and wanted it and wanted it. And finally I said, you know what, man, I, I was talking to my father-in-law, Robbie Davis, and I said, hey, Rob, let me ask you something. I said, did you ever take an agent that was never an agent before? And he said, yeah, I did. I said, really? He said, well, who did you take? And he said, I took uh, Mike Kelly. Right. And I said, really? And I said, well, how did you do it, Mike Kelly? He said, we were right there for leading rider. I said, really? He goes, yeah, everybody liked Mike. And uh, he always wanted to be an agent. And I didn't have an agent at the time, so I just said, why not? I said, wow. I said, and this kid, Joe Megora, he's, he's wanting to take my book. And he goes, well, that could work. He goes, but uh, just ask around. So now I'm asking around trainers, owners, doing my homework, and can't find a bad thing about Joe. Can't find a bad thing about him. So I'm like, man, this, you know, this is something that really could could work, you know. And so then I told Joey, I said, all right, well, let's let's meet up and let's have a meeting and let's talk about it. And you know, Joey said to me all the right things. He was just as hungry and as aggressive as I was, and um, you know, he knew. Part of the job was to come out every day, to work every day, be there, and um, and hustle just as I was doing in the morning. Um, so it really we were on the same page, and and not knocking uh, my agent Scotty who I had for all them years, but at the time I knew when if I was going to come back here, I needed an agent here full time, and and my agent Scotty, he he lives in Delaware and he's got two kids of his own and he gets busy with their activities and stuff like that. So um, I wanted I, I wanted somebody that was gonna be super aggressive, super hungry, and was gonna be there every day. Um, and this Joe wanted to do the same thing, and he had a great vision of being an agent because you know his father was a jockey. He saw what he went through, the struggles with having agents, and, and knew what his father expected to have as an agent. And uh, you know, he's kind of brought that 
to the table and you know and look i mean he's doing a great job he's out there every morning um he's on top of it he calls me all day long talking about this horse talking about that horse different nominations and um you know he really does his homework and uh, you know i i didn't think we probably would do this good but and joey really impressed me to to you know because he's got the dedication also you know we're both very dedicated and i think you know hard working as well and i think it's going to carry us a long way well joe i mean in a lot of ways joey's life mirrors yours in certain ways you know father was a rider Joe's been around the racetrack forever. I mean, I've known Joey since he was a kid and stuff. Um, I've obviously known his dad a long, long time as well. But, yeah, I think he is dedicated to horse racing. And, I mean, that's – isn't that the key is any sort of success working, especially in this industry, a sort of a total dedication? I mean, what kind of life do you have? We have a kid now. How's that going? That's going good. Yeah? That's, that's another uh... – <laughs> I would say a um, motivational drive I get. Is, uh, <laughs> to feed coming, your child? <laughs> yeah, coming home to that every night. So um, so she's doing good, though. She sleeps well, and, uh, you know, she's she's happy girl. That's that's great. So yeah. um, now you met you met Katie riding your wife, Katie Davis, of course, who's ridden for years. You met her down in Maryland? or? You know, it's funny. So really we met as small kids because my father rode in Gulfstream in the wintertime with Robbie and oh, really? um you know we had a really good mutual friends with uh Jose Velez who was also a rider sure. with his family so we would always go over their houses for big barbecues and the Davises would be there the McCarthy's would be there and so what was um, this around 2000 somewhere in that period this was in the Maybe. 90s I used to go to Florida for the winter in the mid 90s yeah every winter. mid 90s awesome. and uh late 2000s or early 2000s and um so we knew each other at that kind of early age. Um, but then our fathers both retired at the same year, 2002, and we separated. You know, we didn't really hear from them for a long time, and uh, we knew who they were. And when I kind of came back to riding, me and Dylan had the bug at the same time. And I think Katie, would, next year, she started riding. And, um, you know, I was shipping in here a little bit on the off days. I think it was Thursdays that Marilyn didn't race on Thursdays. And uh, you guys were racing Thursday, so I would come here a little bit with the bug and ride. And I, that's when I got to meet Katie again. And, um, you know, at that time, I just thought she was annoying and obnoxious. But, um, she probably felt similarly about you. Yeah. <laughs> so then now she came to Delaware a few years later. And, um, you know, we always just knew our families and we always stayed in touch. And, and uh, she said to me one day, hey, you know, it's ended me to Delaware. What do you think I should do? You think I should come to Maryland? And I said, absolutely not. You know, you uh, you should go to Penn National. You know, you'll kill them. And, of course, she didn't listen to me. She came to Maryland, and <laughs> she ended up doing really well. And uh, we developed a really good friendship over a couple years. And, uh, you know, I never saw myself going to date her. And at that time, I, I was uh, not looking to date anybody and, she was kind of in a bad relationship at the time as well, and uh, we became really good friends, and then we started dating. And uh, now it's we're married and have a kid. That's that's great. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you, your timing of your marriage, of course, created great controversy last year. I'm yeah. sure if you had to do over again, you might have waited <laughs> six months, but that's the way things go. Yeah. But, you know, it's funny about the, the, the marriage rule, and I'm not going to, you know, get— I, you probably don't want to talk about it a lot, but, you know, the last meeting they had about it, the really issue came up is the whole general thing about coupled horses and getting rid of it. So in a way, that whole issue could lead to fixing a problem that needed to be fixed for a long, long time. And, 
you know, it'll sort of, you'll always be linked to that, hopefully in a positive way. So that, that would be a good thing. Yeah, exactly. And I got to give Katie a lot of credit for that. I mean, she was the one that was a little bit more pushy in that end than I was. I noticed. <laughs> a lot of us noticed. But, um, but hey, you know, looking back, I probably should have been a little bit more supportive and uh, things went really well. And, and hopefully they can kind of, you know, change the rule and uh, everybody can be happy. It's in my opinion, it's a crazy rule. I mean, it's just for so many ridiculous reasons. But, you know, there's the problem, in, and it's racing, but it's a lot of things in life. There, there are rules and things in the books that don't make a lot of sense in modern times. They just don't get around to, to fixing them, and hopefully that's one that, that will be fixed. Now, does she have any thoughts of ever riding again, or now that she's a mom, she's or she's weighing her options? You know, I think she weighs her options. Of course, she's always going to have the passion for riding and only, always wants to come back to riding. Um, but at the same time, she really is enjoying being a mother. Um, so we'll see. I mean, she always, um, you know, some days she'll be like, oh man, you know, I want to get out and get out, get out. And she'll go in and she'll help her parents, you know, I'll stay home maybe on a Monday or something and say, Hey, listen, go in and help your parents, you know, get on a horse or two. And she'll come back and she goes, man, I just, I really don't miss the hard work. <laughs> I really don't miss the bad weather, you know? And it's like, well, it's good for her to kind of go in and figure out what she wants to do, you know. So are you guys now relocating up here? Yes, you, we you, are. You got a, you, you, Are you buying a house or you're figuring that out? I would like to. Yeah, I, I, I'm in the market. You know, the market's not very good. I mean, now interest rates are going to go up. But, um, yeah, I, I would like this to make my home. I, I, I like New York. I like riding against these riders. I like riding uh, good races and and you know there's a lot of good horses that come out of here. It's it's competitive. I like that challenge. You know, where I felt as in Maryland, it was like okay, I was the leading rider five out of eight years, and I think those three years were uh, three years that I got hurt, um, so I wasn't able to be leading rider. But um, to me, it's like that drive wasn't there anymore. That challenge wasn't mm -hmm. there anymore, um, and it kind of frustrated me and. In the Mid-Atlantic Circuit, you have to do a lot of traveling. There's a lot of night and day racing. And for me, I had so much business that I was always trying to catch up and always trying to keep that business. And it was seven days a week, day and night, and I was just, I was killing myself. And, you know, in my early 20s, I loved it. You right. know, I loved it. I wouldn't want to do anything else. But now it's, you know, I'm settling down. I have a family and it's just like, I, you know, I want to be able to do both. And in the Mid-Atlantic, it's hard to do that because it's hard to tell these guys, oh, no, you're not going to go ride a six to five shot for them in an allowance race at Penn National when it's the seventh race at night and you're not going to get home till midnight. You know, and yeah. especially for a guy like Jamie Ness who puts you on 100 right. winners a year, you know, so. And it's not that close, Penn National. It's not like it's, you know, no, half an hour away. No, it's two hours away. away. Right. And then, you know, you're juggling of working horses for Grand Motion at Fair Hill, and you got to drive an hour there, and then you got to make the races back at Laurel and drive another hour back. Or, you know, you're driving to um, Delaware, and you're riding at Delaware, and then you got to ride in Maryland the next day, or you have to ride uh, Mammoth the next day, or... You know, and you might not be home for three, four days and you're living out of your car and out of your hotel. It's 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 not much of a life, you know. It seems sexy when you're a kid. Yeah. And it is fun, you know, those things. But you get older. I mean, obviously, I'm a lot older than you are. But I look back on when I was first in New York and we were racing six days a week here. 
and the only day they didn't race was Tuesday. Well, the good news was the Meadowlands raced six days a week, too, and they raced at night from Monday through Saturday. So I could go seven days a week if yeah. I wanted. You think about that now, it seems so insane. Yeah, right? and that's how I was. I was like, okay, well, hey, Maryland races four days a week. I can go and ride a Delaware on Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Oh, wait, and then parts races on Tuesday. So I can go to parts on Tuesday. And then after Delaware, because uh, Delaware is only an hour away, hour and 50 minutes away from Penn National, I can shoot up to Penn National and ride five or six, you know. So to me, it was just constant, constant. And I just got burned out, you know. I just got burned out with it. It's understandable. So, um, you know, it's funny. So much in New York, people look ahead to Saratoga. It's Saratoga. Uh, myself, I can't. I look forward. I mean, I like the racing all year round. I love being an aqueduct. Um, I look forward to Belmont. But you must think about Saratoga a little bit. I mean, the idea of riding there for the whole meet, it's its a pretty its pretty exciting. I mean, you've never really experienced a full Saratoga. It's nice to go to a place where they actually really love racing. Absolutely. I mean, I always loved going to Saratoga, just shipping in. Um, I have family there um, on my mother's side. Um, my grandmother, she actually lives in um, Queensbury, so that's about a half hour away. Not even, yeah. So upstate New York to me has always been in my family, and— uh, the Saratoga racing, just the vibe, the atmosphere, it's its so cool. I mean, you walk into a Dunkin' Donuts and, um, you know, there's not a bunch of people reading the newspaper. It's everybody's reading DRF. Um, it's amazing. DPs, you know, so it's like, how cool is that, you know? Um, so the whole atmosphere of the racing and, you know, being a jockey and having that kind of NFL um, look at, like, you know, being a football player almost to, um, to football fans where – um, being a major athlete to all these guys and, and being in that town, you just get that good vibe, you know, that good positive vibe that, you know, you're actually an athlete, you're actually a jockey, and people actually, you know, enjoy what you do and have the same passion for the sport as you do. And uh, to go to Saratoga this summer will be great. I mean, uh, you know, look, I have to go in there with a kind of a mindset that I got to work hard and I have to keep uh, paying attention to the biases and keep bettering myself as a jockey. And I'm only going to do that by riding against um, those guys. And they're the best jockeys in the country, let alone some of them in, in the, the world. world. So, um, you know, to keep that open mind and to not get frustrated because you're not winning, um, you know, I just hope I can I can keep that good mindset and keep going in there every day, giving my absolute best. Riding the turf. Turf racing is so, such a huge part of our racing here during the year, obviously April April through into December, really, um, but a bulk of the year. Two turf courses each track, it's so much different than dirt racing. How, how do you feel about that? And, of course, at Belmont can be tricky. They're interesting, but they're different. I love turf racing. I like it way better than dirt racing because it's just so much tighter. It's so much more a rider's race. Um, and I'm a guy that likes to save a lot of ground, you know, so – um, you know, going back to uh, having those opportunities um, where you're not going to get to ride the the first best horse or the second best horse, and there's a race where the fifth best horse can actually win. Sure. Um, going off trips of yourself and trips of other guys that get. Um, so to me, I always like to be tactical, um, always li like to try and get a good position, and always like to save ground, and I, I think that's huge. I mean, you watch and you listen and watch guys and like I read and w rides for Chad a lot and you just hear interviews of what they say and different things of 
of saving ground and and getting good trips with horses and you know to watch those guys it's like it's great it's it's so much of a big learning curve and um you can learn so much and i came up through a guy like Graham motion who's a huge turf guy so i always got to learn so much from him about saving ground and it's funny actually like one of the first horses i rode for him i had like my seven pound bug and i went way wide on the turf like way wide and i got beat like a half a length and uh you know graham he's not much of a yeller um it's hard so to he, see him yelling yeah so he kind of come back and he says to me and you could see he's like disappointed and frustrated but doesn't want to yell at me and, <laughs> and he kind of just said trev you know i'd rather you get stuck inside and not have any anywhere to go and you come running late and you run a good race than to go uh seven wide and get beat a half a length and to me that always stuck with me and uh you know, looking back, I got to really ride some nice horses for him and um, win some nice races for him. So it was great that for like from that day on, he just changed my whole out- outlook. He said something funny to me during the course of last year. He had run a horse at Churchill that probably should have won. The rider took the horse, dragged the horse back to last. It was a big field, too. He ran fourth. He'd been about a length and a half. There was no pace in the race. And I said to him, that horse isn't that slow. Why was he so far back? And Graham said, I don't know. Sometimes I think riders think I want always want my horses to be last. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Is I always used to, he always used to say that to me. It's like he never, ever likes being on the lead. And uh, so one day I said, yeah, you know, and he goes, but, but don't think. You know, I, I don't. I wouldn't mind being on the lead. And I'm like, do you ever like being on the lead? And he's like, well, you know. And then he had Mean Mary, and she went to the lead all the time. And I'm like, man, he must. Uh, mean Mary must make him sick all the time. She made me sick. She kept beating me in photos, so yeah. I can't speak for Graham. He kept winning them, and I kept losing them. He. I also think he had a horse years ago named Silver Reunion. I want to say it was a broodmare. Is around now. And I think she was a he was a very good speed horse. I think she wired the field like the risk averse in Saratoga. Oh wow! It's yeah, it's funny about speed. I think there's a notion that turf trainers. I think a lot of people think this is about Chad Brown. You know, their horse always coming from the back, and you know, and I I give Chad a hard time about it. And he won a race in the front end with a slow pace. He said, "I can't believe it. I actually did what everybody else seems to do to me all the time. I went to the front, and it is it is a change in racing a lot. You know, the lack of aggression. Do you think about that a little bit? Because you do get, especially in turf races, you get races where it doesn't seem like anybody wants to be forward. Yeah, look, I mean, definitely you see those guys. They some guys are a little bit more passive on the turf than the grass, but. Um, and learning from Graham, back to Graham, I mean, he was he's always looking for that, that trip because most of the time, how is somebody going to beat you on the turf or how do horses win on the turf is from, from trips, you yeah, know? Sure. Getting covered up, saving a lot of ground, um, you know, and saving a lot of horse for the end. And, and that's how you win most of the time on the turf. So learning from him from that would just kind of change my outlook. And, yeah, I'm probably not as aggressive – as I would like to be on the turf because of that, but I'm always like to get a good position and get a good, you know, pocket trip or, um, you know, sit mid pack where a horse is really leveled and I can follow somebody with good cover. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would say that's pretty, pretty much it, you know, with turf racing. Yeah, no, listen, I mean, what you said is true. You said about the fourth or fifth best horse is a chance to win. I think that's one of the reasons that betters like it. I mean, it's that <clears throat> trainers like it because 
the worst horses sometimes lose by three lengths, and they can say to the owner, you got a little lucky, you could have won, where that horse in the dirt's going to lose by 12 lengths, and it's hard to make that excuse for them because <laughs> yeah. the field's bunched. But because of that, you can get a little bit lucky with horses, and you can, as a better, you can find a horse that may be 8, 10 to 1 <clears throat> that you know isn't really the best horse, but you know there's a path to victory where in dirt racing it's not that simple. It's much harder to win with horses that are fourth or fifth best in the dirt. A lot of things have to go your way. Definitely. Well, enjoyed talking to you. Love having you ride here. Um, do, do you set goals for yourself, or are you just sort of your goal to sort of just keep getting better and keep trying to win races? Yeah, I would say, you know, goals are definitely, uh, you know, the same day in and day out. You know, just keep trying to criticize yourself and, and you know, do the best you can and keep working hard. And, um, you know, I think a goal maybe would be to definitely try and get the leading rider title. Um, it's hard, you know, it's, it's definitely, you know, a challenge, but you know, is it possible? It could be, I mean, who would have, who, who would have thought that I would have won four races, three races and right. four races. So, um, and then whoever thought that Eric Cancel would have won the meet last year, uh, when Kendrick was four ahead on the last day and he won six on the last day. So, you know, it's possible. Um, you won and eight of nine races. Yeah, right. Including the day before. Incredible. I mean, it, that was sick. I mean, yeah. I kind of felt bad for Kendrick because, um, you know, you go into the last day, like, so confident. That and was it's incredible. Like, for that to be, like, that would blow my mind. I, I think I would go home and probably lock myself in my room with a six-pack and just cave. I remember thinking about Kendrick and thinking, the guy must be driving home thinking, did that really just happen? Yeah, like, right. <laughs> and all yeah. credit to Eric and PJ yeah, last year. I sure. mean, hey, they they did a hell of a job to yeah. to knock that last day out. And uh, PJ does an amazing job. It was yeah, it was impressive. Yeah. I mean, it was impressive. And I just at the same time, I just it I was incredible. So I wasn't here. I was actually up in Saratoga the last day of the meet, watching it, and I saw Eric winning those races. And thought, oh my gosh, and then. Yeah, but you know, it's it. Yeah, I mean, that's part of the game. Yeah, right? it's you know, racing. Part of it, but listen, there's no reason not to aspire to as well as you can. Right. Just because you know you should you should want to achieve those things. It's not like you're saying I'm better than everybody else, or you're expecting to beat Irad or, or or Joel Rosario or whoever Jose Ortiz, so many other good riders. But it doesn't mean you can't want to. Right. And try to. Exactly. You know? And that's why, like with me, it's just like, and I say to myself, I'll prepare myself every day, to give it the best shot I can. And if I can't beat them guys, I can't beat them guys, you know. But at least I know that, hey, I did everything I could to try my best, you know. Yeah, makes perfect sense. Well, Trevor, yeah. thanks for making a little time with us. And uh, good luck the rest of the meet. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll catch up again later down the road somewhere. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks for listening to Across the Board, this week's episode with Trevor McCarthy. As always, you can download and listen to us on iTunes, Google Play Store, as well as SoundCloud, Listen, rate us, but enjoy. And once again, we appreciate you listening and look forward to coming back with more Across the Board.